Welcome to North of the Shire, your podcast on all things Lord of the Rings, although I'm quite sure it's mostly about the Middle-Earth strategy battle game by Games Workshop. I'm your host, Don, and this is episode number 22. 22. And I'm here with Mr. Andrew Brock. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. What about you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. No complaints here. You know, things are things are going well, and uh, I'm, I guess, going to get my, my second shot tomorrow, you know, so... Hopefully Sweet. I can get out there and do some games eventually. But anyways, uh, I get my second shot. I'm told the, the second one for Moderna is a, a bit of a kick in the pants. So uh, I'm preparing for that. All right. That's it. Two weeks from today. You know, man hug. That's it. Bring it in. That's right. Two weeks from today, man hug. You know it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what is, what's going on in your life these days? Uh, work, work, it's all about work, and it's oh, it so is. boring, I don't want to talk about it mm-hmm. anymore. Um, but yeah, crazy, just mental. You know, you've been going down that road for months, and mm-hmm. you know, I've had, I've spent a lot of time off work last year, and slow at the beginning of this year, and now we're making up for it, it's just crazy. Um, but as, as for the hobby, I actually played another game. Uh, this past weekend yeah so i've now played two games pretty exciting so chris and i kind of had a second game seeing as we just botched the first one so bad and we like totally forgot all the rules and you know it was just a disaster so yeah he wanted also to have another game with his um it's not the survivors of lake town it's just the army of lake town army of lake town yeah yeah so he has a really nice army that he's done up for that so he played the same army mm-hmm. and did uh, he, i played a different army did he remember that the army <laughs> of lake town is not fight five defense six uh, he he did update his um his i don't know what you call it his app i guess army list or whatever it is I think so, so it was all it was all good yeah it was all accurate this time so okay so there Excellent. was no issues there did so. you find that was it a little bit easier to play against it was a little <laughs> bit easier yes <laughs> Yeah, I still lost, but Ugh, uh, it was like it was as close a game as you could possibly want. Mm-hmm. I think it went for eight or nine turns, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. And I decided I wouldn't play the same army list because I thought, what can I play against him that I have that is an evil Hobbit era army? And so right away, I thought about Goblin Town. Yeah. And I don't have a huge Goblin Town army. I just kind of have what was in the starter and maybe a few extra guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what I did was I do have the, um, what's the army with all the Nazgul in it? The uh, Dark Denizens. Dark of Powers of Dalguldur or whatever. Yeah. I have that army because I bought it fully painted off of Garrett because mm-hmm. he was going to sell it. And I'm like, you're not selling that to anybody but me. You mean so, the nine. You have the nine. Yeah. So I got that off him. Never played with it. I've had it for probably two years. Mm-hmm. So I kind of... Um, put those two armies together because I wasn't going to take uh, the Necromancer mm-hmm. so there was no no loss at actually going with the Yellow Alliance there between right, right. those two because the I wasn't losing anything on the Goblin Town side either because it's like what can you get six extra models in your warbands or something uh it's pretty big actually it's what makes goblin town probably the biggest horde army in the game but if yeah but I wasn't going to be doing that mm-hmm. so you know whatever um so 700 points and i just played with um 
What's the named guy with the whip? He suddenly, his name has escaped Grinna. me. Grinna. Grinna, yeah. So I played with the Goblin King, Grinna, a Goblin Captain, the Goblin Scribe. I think it was 45 goblins. Yeah. It's a little um, light, it was, but, I, but, you know, Yeah, you it was a little light. Uh, so it was like 18 for the Goblin King, 12 for Grinna, 12 for the Captain. I think I had three with the Scribe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had the Witch King, one Abyssal Knight, and what's the guy that teleports? Uh, the Lingering Shadow. Lingering Shadow and one Castellan of Dol Guldur. I love those models, even with the nerf. Yeah, so, and we ended up playing Fog of War, so it was, it's oh, like... okay. Some standard sort of stuff, like kill the enemy leader, break the other guy. And then it's the, if you have one hero left alive, you get one. If you killed more than the other guy killed, or if you killed two that's times clash more or three of, times That's a clash more. at night or something like that, midnight. Fog, yeah, of war, the, fog of War is the one where you have to like pick a terrain, pick a guy to defend. Okay, it wasn't, it wasn't Fog of War then, it was the, it was clash the one of with moonlight. the heroes. Yeah, Clash of Moonlight. Okay, yeah. yeah so, Moon, so it was yeah. good. It was. Uh, it ended up. I lost. Um, I forget the exact score. It was like six two or six three or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was. I was one model off of breaking him. Mm-hmm. And if I had a broke him, I would have won the game. Um, and the score would have essentially flipped. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's, um, that's rough. Yeah, but it was it was so much fun, and uh, the highlight the highlight for me was fighting uh, Bard and his three children mm-hmm. and wiping them all out. Oh, I bet like, you're excited about that. Oh, Especially the part was, where you killed was, Bane. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> it was good. I had I had um, who did I have fighting them? I had the Witch King, the mm-hmm. Abyssal Knight. No, I had the Witch King, the Castellan of Dol Guldur, mm-hmm. Grinna. And like a handful of, of goblins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so, of course, the Castellan of Dol Guldur. What are they good at? They're really good at holding up big heroes for a few turns. Yep. So I I put him into Bard, and uh, I thought, okay, this is gonna go my way right away. Mm-hmm. And what happens is, um, Bard bounced off the Castellan of Dol Guldur, and I had Witch the Witch King against Bane. Mm-hmm. And Bane won the fight. And oh. I was like, oh, my God. And and um, basically let them survive another turn. But it was Grinna, actually, who was who was the man. Because he, he knocked out two of the uh, Bard's uh, children, eventually. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they started losing all their bonuses, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, cleaned, cleaned them all up. Wow. Uh, so it was Grinna yeah, who yeah. shanked the kids in the end. It was. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, did you have the Goblin King in your force? Sorry, I didn't recall if you um, did that. I did. Oh, okay, okay. I did have the Goblin King, um, and he did well. He didn't get touched. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was just killing, you know, a guy or two every turn. Right, right. Like, like that, so. Um, but it's still his army. It's still very strong because, like, his troops are so cheap. Mm-hmm. Like, he had just as many models as I had. Yeah. Um, you know, higher fight, you know, he's got spear supports and mm-hmm. and uh the the money bags rule is so strong and I think he because of Alfred's rule, Alfred gave his extra might or whatnot to um the master of Lake Town. I forget how that rule works. Is it will or might? I it's forget. Might. Now. So the uh, the master of Lake Town has to burn a point of might and all um 
army of Lake Town guards and captains, army of Lake Town captains, not including Bard though, um, get to re-roll as if he were a banner and they get plus one to their fight value. So it's kind of like, yeah. it's Bard's rule mm-hmm. on the master. And if you play just an army of Lake Town, the money bags rule gets a 12 inch aura instead of six inch. Yeah, so when I was putting my army together and thinking of, oh, maybe I'll try this army, and then I thought, well, this actually sort of really nullifies one part of that rule because um, the plus one fight actually means nothing against this army because mm-hmm. my, my guys are either fight two, so they're yeah. lower, or fight five, so they're higher, even mm-hmm. with the plus one. Um, but it was the, the the banner effect, basically, which which was really strong, so... Um, he, he still did quite, he, yeah, he still did very well because of that. But, you know, like I held my own in, in sort of the line fighting. Um, mm-hmm. so that was pretty good. The thing that really let me down, uh, in the game and, and if I had to look at any one thing as the cause for the loss, other than me not being a great player, um, was, here. was the goblin scribe. Mm. of course because you have to be able to roll high on your dice in order to make that model work mm-hmm. and i like he eventually when i broke he ran off the table right away um but i rolled at least seven times to get reinforcements and mm-hmm. only twice did i get reinforcements Oof, that, that so, sometimes that happens yeah you know? yeah so it was like didn't really do anything and and the six models i think it was that i brought on it like they didn't do anything for me and Mm -hmm. they just made my force break quicker because he killed them right 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 so it that actually was just a complete waste of 50 points Mm -hmm. um which just came down to the vagaries of not being able to roll fives and sixes no i think you need like a seven i think to be able you to need to roll a seven. If mm-hmm. you get a seven, you get D three. If you get yeah. higher than a seven, you'd get D three, like plus one, plus two, plus three, whatever. Yeah. Well, um, you know, it does, uh, you know, suggest that if you want to take this type of army in the future, you could always just throw like a hunter orc that's in that list with a ba- with a warhorn, right? All of a sudden, the yeah. goblin scribe gets yeah. plus one courage. We put it down to the fact that my goblin scribe was not painted because mm-hmm. I actually stuck yep. them together the night before while we were playing D&D online. Mm-hmm. And I actually primed them while we were doing that too, but I didn't have enough time to paint them. So gotcha. because he was not painted, he just didn't step up to the plate. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, so he's he's almost painted now. I've thrown you... a whole bunch of contrast paint on him. Did the <laughs> goblin king make his courage test to stay after you broke? Well, he auto-passes that one. The first one, yeah. First one, yeah. I'm just checking um, to make sure you remember that rule because he's oh, a hero yeah. of legend. Yeah, yeah, come on. I'm not a noob. Okay, well, you know, a lot of people yeah. forget that rule. Yeah. Yeah, I don't forget it because I've played against uh, mostly Ronan in our league, and he plays that army a lot, or has in the past anyways. Mm-hmm. And so he's done that on on me like every time i finally break them because that's basically what you try to do when you play against that army is Mm -hmm. just try to break them and then it's like okay he automatically passes and it's like frustrating that's the time when you need that might to call that heroic move so you can dive into the goblin king and be like there's no auto passing here today (laughs) sir yeah right right so yeah but it was really good again to have a game so just Mm -hmm. it just felt it was we were going to play on my on my patios already to set it up but Mm -hmm. it was just threatening rain so i'm like are you okay playing my kitchen if i set it up on my kitchen table it was 
my wife wasn't home so it was just me and him he's like yep mm. it's like so we played on my kitchen table both of us have two shots and way over two weeks blah 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 so. yeah yeah of course you're both fully yeah. vaccinated you both understand that there's extremely minimal yeah. risk so yeah, yeah yeah so it was it was good mm -hmm. really good to have another game yeah and and for that game i actually painted my last two goblin warriors so i now have actually painted a model two of them in fact oh my god yeah so we're back into the painting stream there we go we're there it's going we're, we're it's back happening. in there yeah you know? just barely probably the smallest model possible to paint but we're on we're that, on the board that literally <laughs> has three colors to apply to it flesh color <laughs> rags and weapon and the rags and the weapon are generally the same color so it's just the metal piece on the weapon <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's pretty uh, pretty straightforward actually the painting i think it's um i think it's from girl painting mm -hmm. um on on youtube yeah. been around for a long time i don't know if she's still going but she had a goblin town video i think it was her mm -hmm. i think and, so yeah. Uh, yeah i used her her scheme for, for i that, find so. i find of all the armies in middle earth goblin town is probably the best one for airbrushing like you can airbrush that army in like all the skin tones in like an yeah. hour. I'm talking like 150 models. You can knock that off in an hour. Like all yeah, three there's a, there's a few that are that are really good candidates for that. Um, the Army of the Dead also yeah well, also really really straightforward to to do that. I would think not knowing how to to airbrush, but um, listening, Garrett did it with his his mm -hmm. army, and he said it was pretty straightforward. So yeah, I mean, you could even rattle can the army of the dead. You do that zenithal thing where you like you spray it black, then you spray it white over top, and then you just smack a, a wash, some contrast wash on it, mm -hmm. and bop, you're done. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So uh, what about you? Doing anything hobby wise, or is it all just work and boring stuff? Work, boring stuff. I wrote the next section of the TBD Chronicles, which is taking up a chunk of my time. Oh, and, awesome. Uh, yeah, it's seven pages. So, yeah. What? Uh, I know. Um, we got to put a limit on this. That's crazy. Hey, you want you want quality here, my friend. We don't we don't skimp on quality on the show. That's going to be like 20, 20 minutes or something like that. Well, hey, tough titty. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> That's the way it is. It is what it is. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, well, I, I, I always see the this opportunity as an, as an excellent chance to practice your short story writing and that kind of thing yeah. so i yeah. dove into it and i'm thoroughly enjoying it it's just i find it fun to write it like mm -hmm. i find when i like i'm starting with the blank slate i'm like i have absolutely no idea what to write and then i just write down a few sentences or notes or whatever and mm -hmm. then write you know add on to those a little and then think about it like i do a lot of thinking while i'm commuting i just yeah you know about that kind of stuff um so like I find that it's it's fun to just develop it from nothing into like a like a thread and then us into a story, right? Mm -hmm. It's fun. Yeah, Agreed. Yeah. I I visualize how I want all the major pieces yeah. to fall out. You know, jot down my my storyboard and then I just get to it. Um, right yeah, and so this one surprisingly was seven pages. I I was not expecting that um i just had a really cool idea in my head and i'm like let's try yeah. it i don't know if it's gonna go well 
when I read it, but we'll see how it goes. We'll see. Uh, yeah. So okay. if we see the retention rates on this episode drop to, to garbage after right. I start reading, well, no, it did not go well. St- still waiting for a comment on, yeah. on the TBD Chronicles. Still. Yeah. So please, anybody, comment, say anything about it. Uh, you know what? That's, I guess that's the beauty of the TBD Chronicles. <laughs> our comments are TBD as well. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> did I tell you what I did with our TBD Chronicles sections? I think you said I, um, you put them all together, right? Yeah, I, I went into um, each of our episodes on uh, on Soundtrap, and mm-hmm. Soundtrap is, is kind of a funky thing to use for, for recording, but yeah, yeah. Um, I was able to, to go in there and save each of those sections and sort of compile them onto like a separate track. So like eventually after we have X number of sessions, we could potentially put that out as a as a... A bonus episode or something. Oh, that'd be really cool. And then we'd really get to see if people actually enjoy it, because then we forget no yeah. actual views. Then yeah, it's, like, it's, like, it's like one download. Okay, awesome. Good. Good to know. Good to know. Good to know. Uh, I actually did the opposite. Um, I wouldn't say the opposite. I did the same thing for the other type of medium we use. I have been taking the, the stories that you send me, and I've been compiling the whole thing into one Word document. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah, we're up to 17 or 18 pages, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice, so, nice. Yeah, so I'm just compiling just for the sake of uh, just compiling it. That's all. Yeah, there you go. One other thing I've been doing, which I won't get into any details about it, mm. but I've actually, because there aren't enough of them already, I've been writing my own Legendary Legion oh. on a, on a yet-to-be-announced faction. So I'm hoping to get, I'm hoping to, I'm spending a bit of time on it. So I'm hoping to get that done within like a, maybe a month or something like that. Probably oh, okay. be longer knowing me, but yeah. Um, yeah. So once we do that, I'll, uh, I'll share it with you and maybe we'll make an episode around that. That'd be cool. Yeah. Original, original content. That's it. Fan made army list. Who knows? Maybe you'll allow the legendary legion to work in the Canadian Char. Optional well, rules. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. All right, well, shall we move on to a proper segment instead of just, like, rambling on about nothing? I think so. Let's do it. Let's talk about micro warbands so this is going to be a little side tangent to our army type series because it's not it is an army type but it is um it's very limited to like certain factions in the game wouldn't you say Mm -hmm. andrew i would um this is bonus content yeah it's bonus it's bonus content for the army type series like to me the you you've got there's others but i would say your main factions for for the micro warband are minas tirith mordor and of course isengard Mm -hmm. and that's where like i first heard about this um on the green dragon i know many years ago kylie uh was talking about micro warbands and she was specifically talking about isengard um i don't think it was necessarily an original idea but certainly it was the first person to actually talk about it and um it's it's where i actually 
uh, first heard about it and sort of started thinking about it as as an army and you know realizing hey, I actually do that with a few of my warbands in my Isengard army but maybe not necessarily the entire army yeah so when I think micro warband I, I actually was introduced to this um, idea like I've heard about it at Green Dragon but I never I've never really seen it in play so it's sort of out of sight out of mind no one ever runs it up here until last year, Don ran it at the last tournament we played in, and I watched him play with this list, and I became so enamored. I'm like, this is like the coolest thing, and Don built this list not with the intent of it doing well. He just thought it was a cool thing. Uh, he thought he could pilot it fairly well, but he didn't expect to get 4-0 at a big competitive event, and ever since sort of him... Um, him playing it and me seeing him play it, uh, I have been quite curious to know more about the micro warband list, to chat about it, and thought, you know what, why don't we make an episode and just throw it out there? Uh, so we're going to talk briefly about you know the, the micro warband strengths and weaknesses, but we're going to dive, like we've done with the heroes stuff, uh, we're going to dive more into discussing the micro warband style yeah. with actually using an army in this case Dawn's Isengard army and I'm going to then propose uh, an army that I've sort of been pondering and we can bat around the cool. ideas of it and go from there yeah I've not heard um, the list that that Andrew is, is going to read and like I'll get into sort of why I decided to run that at a tournament and what I took and, and how I sort of arrived at that um, but like why don't we go into sort of some of the what do you what would you call them some of the um trademarks or or whatnot of uh, what a micro warband is like what makes a micro warband what are they good at so yeah so so a micro warband army is as the name implies an army that uses lots of warbands but they're very small i mean you could be expecting to see your warband size be maybe one to five models and that could be a with a hero fortitude right um, or you could see warband sizes even upwards of 10 models, depending upon how you're building your warbands. And your warbands mm -hmm. are highly specialized. This is not like I'm going to put like, you know, 33% bows, 33% shields, 33% spears. No, no, that's all gone with this. This is yeah. like I bring a hero that shoots and I bring guys who shoot and that's a warband. I bring a hero that's mounted and I bring uh, soldiers that are mounted, that's a warband. And it might be yeah. um, a soldier who, or a hero that's mounted along with maybe four uh, cav, right? So it's these small specialized warbands um, that really sort of focus on, uh, from what I can tell, four major tenants. And we're talking about movement, and that could be infantry that has high movement, like eight inches plus, uh, shooting, like we got those small specialized warbands that focus on shooting, uh, ideally holding backfield objectives, running and outflanking, that kind of thing. You've killing got horses. Killing horses. <laughs> honesty bows, if we would. Yeah. Um, and then you've got like the cav hammer kind of warbands. And these are always the ones where the hero has heroic strike. They're, they're, they're mounted. They've got a bunch of uh, cav around them. And their job is to hit enemy battle lines, maybe even sneak around, do some outflanking. But their objective is to kill and kill hard. And the mm -hmm. last piece is the anti-hero piece. And that's kind of critical to the micro warband. And that is... 
some mechanic in your list that allows you to lock down their big hero. And that could be through spells, could be through uh, shooting, like i.e. Legolas, being able to take out that horse, uh, or it could be something like a character with heroic defense, right? So you dive into mm-hmm. combat, you throw the heroic defense down, and all of a sudden you've just stymied that that big hero, and, yeah. uh, which the whole or po- even just having like an overwhelming amount of might and lots of strike. Exactly. You know, even even that can can deal with some some heroes. Agreed. Um, and so, what are your thoughts on that? Well, like for me, when I when I build this army and I'm thinking micro warband, um, like you're getting into like you know highly specialized warbands and whatever, and I do I, I guess I do do that when when I put my list together, but for me it's kind of like okay I want to take a lot of heroes with a lot of might and and you know maybe some funky abilities, but basically it's like I'm gonna pick like a hero and his three best friends who are warriors you know mm-hmm. and then you kind of pick the the next hero and his three or four best friends right or whatever mm-hmm. whatever number you choose that's kind of how I go about it. Um, like for me doing the Isengard list it was so easy to build but essentially um, you, you're bringing quite a few strong um, aspects to, to the build with and it's kind of kind of just comes along with this type of build and one of them is like big drop advantage like, oh, yeah. because you have micro warbands you have a lot of warbands so again, you're going to have drop advantage during deployment. That, that's a huge one. And because, like you said, you're taking all these highly specialized warbands with like movement, shooting, blah, blah, blah. Usually you have good board control or you can control parts of the board mm-hmm. as well. And I think one of the main things that's very different about this army is like a, a lot of the time when you play this game, it's like my battle line it contacts with your battle line and then it's like grind fest and you know, then the heroes do stuff like mm-hmm. heroes kill other heroes or they kill a lot of warriors or whatever. Mm-hmm. But generally it's like a lot of games are two lines of warriors impacting with each other. Right. Yep. And it's just comes a grind. But with this type of army, that doesn't really happen nearly as often because, well, you don't really have that type of army. Mm-hmm. And also because you have like micro warbands and they all have heroes with them, it, it kind of becomes a decentralized army that's not really focused in one area of the board necessarily. Mm-hmm. Like it's a really good army type for for going for different objectives on the on the table. Yeah. It's cuz in the, the in the beauty of the decentralized war um warband style is that because you're everywhere and you're in, everywhere in sort of small categories those big shield wall armies they don't know how to maneuver to attack you um so if they've got shooting they'll just sit there and shoot but again you're swarming the board you're going everywhere um and the other beautiful part about it is um if you want to bring things like shooting or siege engines to this style of list it's going to be able to be more effective because you're not going to just clash and all of a sudden your shooting elements have to run up and join the fight. No, there's always going to be opportunities because this style of list does not want to do the line on line clash. It wants no. to play cagey um, because if it does the line on line lash uh, like clash, it's just going to get wiped out. It just it just doesn't have the numbers because you're investing a lot of points. 
your warband sizes are small, you're bringing gimmicks, you're bringing uh, different sort of special abilities and rules um, to sort of accentuate those warbands. Uh, mm-hmm. All of a sudden, your warband size for maybe like a 700 to 750 point list is like sub 30 models. Um, and so you have to be very careful about that. Yeah, like we've we've done an army type before called line breaker, mm-hmm. and if you actually look at this type of list, it it can kind of look similar to a line breaker, yeah. um, but it's it actually behaves rather differently on, on the board because line breaker is you're usually cav and you're usually sort of four. Uh, heroes, maybe one mm-hmm. of them being a big hero, and you're looking to kill a lot of enemy troops. Right. Whereas this this army does have a lot of heroes. It usually has a lot of might. Um, but what you're really trying to do is you get as much mileage out of your heroes and your might as you can. It's not necessarily like you're trying to break the enemy line or or kill as many warriors as you can. In fact, this this army list is usually really good at killing enemy heroes mm-hmm. just because you can just overwhelm them with like might and strikes and magic and and all of that stuff. But like I don't know, like I know you play board games along alongside me and mm-hmm. our, our other buddies. Like in a lot of board games you play that have actions, like you have four actions in your turn and yep. you can do all these different things. The biggest thing you always go for in these games is additional actions. Mm -hmm. So while everyone else stays at four actions, you get five actions or six actions, right? Everyone always goes for that because it's a multiplier. It makes you um, gain ground a lot quicker. And that's kind of the way I sort of rationalize this with all these heroes and might and heroic moves specifically or heroic Mm -hmm. combats rather. And what it is is you you have a guy in your army list and he's a hero and he's better than the average joe right Mm -hmm. he's got higher fight he's got higher strength he's got you know whatever Mm -hmm. um and basically what you're trying to do is use him more than once in a turn yeah right and if you do a heroic combat and you kill your opponent and you move into another combat you're now using that hero twice in a turn Mm -hmm. and hopefully in both of those combats you're going to win and you're going to kill right Mm -hmm. and if you do that with like three four five heroes and you do that two turns in a row that is a huge multiplier in this game yeah i 100 percent agree with you um and the, the beauty about this this idea of small warbands, heroes that can punch high, a lot above their their infantry's um, punch above their waist, if you would, when it, when it comes to fighting infantry. Above their weight class. That's above what their you're weight for. class. There we go. Punch above yeah. their weight class when it comes to fighting against infantry is that even though you might have a small like four or five or six unit um, little micro warband running up the table, if it hits like an outflanking piece, if it hits the corner of a, of a, of a battle line, it's going to do more damage than you're expecting it to because that mm-hmm. unit's going to have a hero that's going to call hero combat. It may or may not be mounted. This is not a requirement. that You do not need to have mounted heroes in the style of list. You just need to have heroes. But the other beauty is, um, is surprise. This type of list has so many different strategies, so many different maneuvers, Mm -hmm. that your opponent's gonna be guessing, how does this list work? How is this competitive? And so they're gonna try to guess what you're gonna do, but the beauty is you can roll up on them, let's say on the right flank, and all of a sudden they shift expecting a charge, and then you just back away. 
and they're like, oh, nothing's happening. But the rest of your warbands are doing stuff. They're moving, they're grabbing board control, they're shooting at this massive shield wall, or they're shooting at this mobile army type. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, your opponent has to say, how do I fight an unconventional force, which is exactly what a micro warband is. Yeah, and again, I'll give Green Dragon uh, credit for this. One of their terms is burnout, like where, and that is where you have like a cluster of heroes, and they they all use their might all in the same turn, right? There's like mm-hmm. you know three or four of them calling like heroic combats, and you're using might to kill. You just you go through your might. And, and the the intent is just to cause like massive carnage in a very short period of time in a very specific part of the enemy army mm-hmm. and to devastating effect. So either it results in maybe killing a, a big hero or a, or a banner or breaking that opponent or capturing an objective, whatever the goal is. Mm -hmm. Um, This army excels at that because, again, lots of heroes, lots of might. Yeah, and and again, this this type of list is very different from a line breaker. Yes, it has lots of heroes. Yes, it has lots of might. But a line breaker excels because it has a shield wall. Right, and your your heroes sortie from the shield wall. They're protected by the shield wall at all times. There's elements like shooting, some cav for grabbing out flanking objectives, but those are sort of secondary components, but vital to a line breaker to really work. Mm-hmm. This foregoes the shield wall in exchange for bringing more things to the table, um, and bringing them in small, you know, dollops. And just being able to work independently. The micro warband loves to be independent. The shield wall hates it. It needs to be together, otherwise it gets overwhelmed. Whereas the micro warband is okay uh, with some warbands not even doing much. They could be chased for half the the game, but as long as they're pulling more models out of position than they represent in a warband, you're winning the model. You're winning the point game, right? You are, yeah. And do we want to get into the uh, the examples or, or Let's what? do it. I want to hear about this Isengard list. I love it. So hit me with it. Okay. So for me, the reason for doing this um, list at the time was simply because I had just recently bought and painted my Gorolf Ironhide and Frida Tallspear models. Mm-hmm. So it was like, all right, well, I'm going to use them in a list. And then as I started putting my list together, I'm like, just kept adding, you know, I have my standard lists I have ready that have like, say, Lurts, Vrasku, Mahur, etc. in them. And I added those other two heroes. And then I'm like, oh, how can we end up at, uh, I think my list here is 700. I think your example is 750. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, this is my list. I'll just run through it. So we'll go, we don't usually do a lot of this, but I will in this case. Mm-hmm. So I have, uh, we'll go through my heroes first, because that's kind of the uh, nitty gritty of the list. So it's yep. Lurtz. He's the leader. Um, Vrasku. Mahur, Sharku, Gorolf Ironhide, mm-hmm. Frida Tallspear, and that is it. Those are the heroes. How many was that? One, Five. two, six, six, six heroes. Yeah. Six heroes. I think it comes out to, let's see, Lurtz is three, Vrasku's three, Mahur is two, so that's eight, uh, Sharku is three, so that's 11. 
three for Gorolf. That's 14. Three for Frida. 17 might on six 17 heroes. 17 might, not bad. Right? Yeah, so in addition to those six heroes uh, for 700 points, I have a total of 31 models in the army, so it's mm -hmm. 25 warriors being being added. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll just go through this quickly. So for Lurtz's warband, he's got three Urukai warriors with shield. One of them has a banner. He's got two orc warriors with shield and spear. He's got two Urukai berserkers. Uh, Vrasku comes with three Urukai warriors with crossbow. Maher comes with uh, two Urukai marauders with shield and one Urukai marauder with Urukai bow. Mm -hmm. So he's got three guys. Um, Sharku is uh, on a warg with a shield mm -hmm. and he comes with three warg riders with shield. And Gorolf Ironhide, he is coming with one Dunlending Warrior with shield, one Dunlending Warrior with bow, one Orc with shield and spear, one Urukai Berserker, and last but not least is Frida Tallspear. She is coming with Dunlending with shield, Dunlending with bow, Orc Warrior with shield and spear, uh, Orc warrior with shield and a crabane. There it is. I was waiting for it. Yeah. So that's your whole list. So if we want to go through, I think you mentioned a bunch of different elements mm -hmm. to your art to your army. So it's got a decent number of models in the list at 31 models at 700, but six heroes, yeah. um, all with tons of might. So they all have three might except for Maher. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that and they, you know, even looking at Maher, Maher's a three attack model. Gorolf is a three attack model. Lurtz is a three attack model. Like a lot of these heroes have three attacks or they have some special yep. ability. You can talk about the special abilities because I know you want to dive into those. Um, but each one of them is also highly specialized for what it does. So do you want to talk about that? Well, I mean, with the Urukai, with the Urukai heroes, with your Lurtz, your Vrasku, your Maher. Um, and in fact, Gorolf Ironhide, all fight five, all strength five. Mm -hmm. So that's huge right there. Um, having strength five is, gives you a major advantage in, in, uh, in melee combat for sure. Yep. And, and like you said, they all, they all come with something like Lurtz comes with his special deployment rules, find the halflings. Um, Vrasku, he's obviously there with his expert shot and crossbow. Um, he's got three guys with crossbow with him, so he's mm -hmm. your little shooting contingent, and he also has um, accuracy. Mm -hmm. uh, accuracy. So they, yeah, so you know he's he's really good at like taking out horses or putting some pain down on some weaker heroes, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, Maher. Uh, also really good in, in melee. Again, fight five strength, five, three attacks. So that's yeah. good. He only comes with two might, so he's, he's a little bit uh, less might. Um, but again, he's he's part of your mobility here, right? Because he and his three guys all have movement eight. Yep. Right? He's got that and then movement. Yeah, and then continue continue the mobility with your little cavalry contingent, uh, Sharku mounted with three warg riders. And if you ever question how good warg riders are, did you ever watch the Palantir when they did their little fifty point 
war yes, band yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah. Oh my God! Like the, the I think they had um, a little contingent of war riders on there. Mm-hmm. I forget how many games in a row they won, but it was it was crazy. They were really good. Um, and even though they're only war riders, they are still cav. Mm-hmm. And when you have that many heroes on the table, uh, and you bring a, you bring one cavalry into the fight. If you win, you're knocking the guy down. Mm-hmm. Right? So and they've it's got strength very, four. Yeah, very handy. Strength four, that's right. Um, and what else? Lastly, for mobility, of course, is the Crabane. Just oh. a ridiculously high quality model uh, for board control. Oh my God, it's got to be one of the strongest models in the game for that now. Um, it, it's even good at like it's even good at like bogging down heroes, tar pitting heroes, mm-hmm. um, just because of its four wounds. Four wounds. Don't expect it to do much offensively, but with no. built-in anti-shooting protection, needing sixes to hit, its ability to fly twelve inches, it is going to be snagging all sorts of objectives that your opponent is going to become very frustrated at because you can't just shoot at it. You have to go and kill it. You know. Um, And so the crazy part about it is you could run Sharku with wargs in the Crabane up beside, grab a backfield objective on your opponent, leave the Crabane, send Sharku and the warg uh, warg riders off to do something else. And all of a sudden your opponent's like, well, I'm going to have to move models to kill it because I'm not going to be able to shoot it to death. So it is a really nasty model that many people have sort of uh, underestimated its effectiveness. Yeah. Um, One other thing I have in this model or in this army is we've talked about kind of the fact that they're not as good anymore, and that's Urukai Berserkers. I don't Mm. have any ferals just because, yeah, they're They're just ferals now. Um, But Urukai Berserkers, they're in there for their two attacks, and they're in there to help your heroes springboard with their heroic combats. I think I only have two in here. I've Mm -hmm. got one with Gorolf and one with Lurtz. And basically the way I use these models, or I've got two with Lurtz, actually. Mm -hmm. Basically the way I use these models is when when you're lining up your heroic combats, you, you have your hero and a Berserker in there. Mm-hmm. and then maybe an orc with a spear so just just to give you all those extra attacks to just ensure you win the fight yeah. um and then once you won the fight you've got all of those attacks to to kill your opponent and then move on and then when you do move on you're moving on with not only your hero but a berserker so mm-hmm. you, then you can like potentially add those into another combat to give you an advantage or like maybe remove a spear support with those models to you know remove mm-hmm. an advantage from from your opponent mm-hmm. i mean the, the beauty about the berserker also is one or two um you know they're not as great as they used to be but one or two in your list it does exactly what don's talking mm-hmm. about but what it also does is when the, you're, you're getting close to break that is the one model you can almost be sure is going to stay on the table so if you need it to run onto an objective and you're broken courage seven it's it, you're going to be failing it only on snake eyes so a one in 36 chance one thirty-six chance of bolting, which means when you put that model on an objective late game, it's staying there unless someone kills it. Yeah, for sure, for mm-hmm. sure. One other thing I've got in the army, like not including the warg riders, um, I do have ten warriors with shields. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like having shields in your army is is really good too, just because of the shielding rule. You know, like when you're outnumbered, um, you're you're just trying to you know hang on and and whatever while your heroes kill 
you shield with your warriors just to hold up your opponent so you know it's it's not really enough to like form a shield wall really but it is enough to um sort of have a speed bump for your opponent to have to deal with well i mean shielding is one of the best rules in the game right because it allows you for a turn maybe two to get big what i mean about getting big is a smaller army if it needs to in critical moments can get big by sending five or six guys with shields to tie up two enemy units apiece right all mm-hmm. of a sudden your five units your five guys with shields count as 10 right effectively and all of a sudden now you're allowing your your warriors to say okay this is your turn to blow some heroic combats, to kill some guys, and let's get those numbers, that number discrepancy down to uh, a level where you start having the advantage. And if you have to sacrifice your five guys with shields to do it, then that's what you do. Right, right. Um, What about shooting? What do I got in here for shooting? I've got, um, you can keep count of this. I've got Lurtz with his bow. Mm -hmm. I've got Vrasku with his crossbow he's got two shots mm-hmm. i've got three crossbowmen with him mm-hmm. i have got one urukai marauder with urukai bow mm-hmm. i have nothing with sharku i've got one dunlending warrior with bow with gorolf mm-hmm. and i've got one dunlending with bow with Frida. So that those are my bows. What, what do I have there? You have four bows and five crossbows. That's a so, respectable number of models. Yeah, it's, it's, an, it's enough it's enough to do damage and well, and threaten, right? I mean you set yourself like your your army size is about thirty one models. You've brought mm-hmm. pretty much thirty three percent bow limit. So you you've, you've sort of checked that off. You've got crossbows, which are very strong, you know, strength 4, 24 mm-hmm. inches. Uh, and you've got a small enough little contingent that um, four crossbowmen, uh, including Vrasku, is small enough that you can sort of set them up in a way that gives them maximum field of effect. Your opponents can have a really hard time avoiding shooting at them. Or, or you know what I mean? Like how sometimes when you have like 10 or 12 crossbows sitting there lined up to shoot, your opponent all of a sudden shoots down the side and half your crossbows don't have line of sight or if they're yeah. shooting through their own guys. Right? Yeah. With this small warband, it can hit everything. You can't avoid it. Yeah, and we've got we've got lots of heroic march in here as well. Mm-hmm. Like Lurtz has it, Frasku has it, Maher has it, Sharku has it. Now let's talk about so we've talked about movement, we talked about shooting, we've talked about that cav and that hammer. Let's talk about the anti-hero. Yeah. Give me the, I know we talked about this last episode with the mid tier heroes, but give me the give me the one two punch here. Well, Gorolf, uh, Mr. Jazz Hands, he's your anti-hero, really, um, with his uh, Iron Skin special rule, mm-hmm. which is the free heroic defense versus heroes. Um, there is, I forget the wording, but you have to actually be in base contact with the hero uh, in order to actually call that. At the beginning um, of the, the phase, yeah. Yeah, but he also has heroic defense in addition to that as a, mm-hmm. as a heroic action, so... You know, you can just call a heroic defense even without having a hero in base-to-base contact. Like, mm-hmm. if you think someone's going to heroic, you know, if if one hero is going to heroic strike and another's going to heroic combat into you or whatever, you can heroic defense and use one of your points of might. It's not free yep. anymore. But, but, but that rule there, um, it's not a, it's not a rule that's going to kill an enemy hero. 
but it is a rule that is going to take an enemy hero out of the game mm-hmm. potentially for at least um, three or four turns yeah like like your opponent has to be very aware of that rule mm-hmm. and actively try to avoid that situation yeah otherwise it's just like you're on them like flypaper and they just can't kill you or get away and then very frustrating how does that get worse with frida supporting him well the like the threat with the big hero is is the charge knockdown kill mm-hmm. you know like most mid-tier heroes end their careers that way mm-hmm. right they get charged by a hero that's mounted yep. done killed in one turn so frida tall spear um no surprise to everybody she comes with a uh tall spear Free to tall spear. Yeah, she comes with a special rule, uh, readied stance, uh, which uh, which basically removes the advantages of being mounted. Removes and I your believe she has, she, she has to be supporting. I think I'd have that's to correct. That so, she, so she's supporting him. She yeah. and your opponent charges Gorolf. because mm-hmm. she's supporting him. It removes any cav charge bonuses. So no plus one attack, no yeah. knockdown. No, I'm pretty also pretty also sure no lance bonuses, so these are all big things to lose out on, yeah. and you know we talked about Gorolf going heroic defense. Gorolf is still fight five. He's still strength five. He's still three attacks, and when he goes heroic defense, defense doesn't matter. So he just piercing strikes up to strength six. So if he yeah. wins the fight, he's a strength six dude about to hit your hero. Yeah, that's true. Very yeah. good point. Yeah. The thing with um, Frida, too, is like one of the big weaknesses with all of these heroes, guys like Lurtz, Frasco, Maher, um, they die so easily to like a charging mm-hmm. mounted enemy hero. So, you know, it's not like Frida has to be glued to Gorolf's side the whole game. Yeah. She just needs to be floating around sort of near a couple, two or three of these heroes. Um, and whichever one of them gets charged, well, you just go support them, like yeah. charged by a mounted hero mm-hmm. um, or a mounted warrior, for that matter. You you just you just go and support that guy, and they lose all the cavalry bonus, and then you kill that model or you yeah. take the horse out, right? Because that's the other thing. Like um, uh, these models on the uh, the Dunlending side, some of them have rules that allow you to like re-roll. Um, does she have that now? I have to. They have. Yeah, go for the horse. They allow re-rolls on, on wounding horses. Yeah, and so the, so. Other, the other nifty thing is, um, like, she is the bane of mid-tier heroes on horses. Like, the Linebreaker list exists by having three, maybe four mid-tier heroes on horses with lances or some other wound modifier weapon, like a two-handed weapon with Burly. And you have that one big tier one hero, right? Like, the top tier hero. Her ability to just like, oh, your 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 mid-tier hero charged into a warrior. Cool. I'm gonna walk her and touch that that warrior you just charged. Your three attack guy goes to two attacks, because most of them are three two attacks base. You have no cav bonus, and all of a sudden I'm rolling two dice to your two dice, and I'm gonna have a banner, you're gonna have a banner, but and also is Frida fight five or is she fight four? Frida is, uh, I have five here, but I'm not sure that is right. Let me just check my book. She is fight five. And most mid-tier heroes, unless you're diving into the elves, are fight five. So all of a sudden it's like that hero, that mid-tier hero has to say, I have to heroic strike 
to kill a warrior because if I hurl a combat, she can spend might on the dice roll she throws to that duel to win the fight. And all of a sudden I could be in a situation where I may not win that fight and she could dismount me. So her ability to just float, you never want to put her on the battle line, right? You want to have her floating in the mm -hmm. back because she can just be a bane, as you said, to those, to those mid-tier heroes especially, but even to, mm -hmm. the, to top tier heroes. Yeah, I'm just I'm just looking at her her profile right now and uh, readied stance active following the battle where she sees command Frida since developed her own fighting style directly combat cavalry blah, 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 blah. models do not gain the extra attack or knock to the ground bonus when involved in a fight against Frida's tall spear or one she is supporting so she doesn't have to be supporting. So she can actually be in the fight itself. Yeah. Yeah, she can be in the fight. That's really solid. And she's, what, yeah, 60 so, points? Yeah, actually, she's this 65. reminds me. Uh, she is 65. This reminds me because in, in a game that I played in that tournament that I took this list, mm -hmm. um, I had her in a fight against... Um, Azog had charged, and right beside Azog, there was like an orc warrior or whatever... And Azog had charged Frasku, I think it was. And so I had countercharged Lurts and Frida into base contact with an orc warrior. Or I forget what it was. Yeah. And so what I did was I, I struck with Lurts. So he would have a high fight in the mm -hmm. upcoming fight. And then I called the heroic combat with Frida. Mm -hmm. And killed that model and then Lurtz and Frida charged into Azog on Warg and Lurtz had already struck so he had a high fight mm -hmm. and Frida took away the charge bonus of Azog. Yep. Yeah, so it, it worked out really good and I thought, oh my god, I've surrounded him too, I'm going to kill him and then I totally boshed my roll and I didn't kill him. But yep. I did kill his Warg. There you go. I think. The white Warg? I think I did, I forget now. So just a quick note of clarification. So Frida doesn't remove the, 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 the lance bonuses, okay? But she does remove the extra attack, and she does remove the knock to the ground, which is mm -hmm. all the reasons why you take the horse in the first place, right? The knock to the ground yeah. and the extra attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But the nice thing is because she, um, this is, the, again, this further synergy between her and, and Gorolf, because she gives the Dunlending models within three inches of her rerolls to wound against mounts, Gorolf is a Dunlending model, so all of a sudden his strength 5 or strength 6, especially if he calls a heroic defense, um, he just can target your, your opponent's hero's mount and just thump it to death mm -hmm. with very few tacting because you get the reroll. And then to make matters worse with That's this... That's awesome. I didn't even think about that because I was thinking about Dunlending models. I was thinking about Dunlending warriors, but it's any model with the Dunlending keyword. Yeah. So, yeah, wow. So he all of a sudden, when he calls that heroic defense, he auto calls the piercing strike. He's strength six against most mounts, which are D4. He's wounding on fours, um, mm -hmm. and, or wounding on threes, actually, in this case, with a reroll. So the odds mm -hmm. of him start piling on wounds to your opponent's yours uh, is very high. On top of that, Frida has heroic defense in her as a heroic action, and she's got three might. So don't think for a second that if she gets charged by an enemy hero, uh-oh, she's in trouble. She can call mm -hmm. the heroic defense and keep herself alive. 
Yeah, like before this book came out, Isengard was a really good army to build a, a micro warband list with. Mm -hmm. After this book came out, like they're the best army in the game to build a micro warband list 100 with. 100% agree. Yeah, because of these two characters. I would say um, three. Just incredible. Two heroes and the Crabane. That friggin' Crabane makes this list so good. Well, the Crabane is kind of like the cherry on top, honestly. But it's just it's just such added benefit for like, yeah. is it 25 points or something like that? for this 20. Thing? 20 points for a four-wound <laughs> yeah. model. Great. So the ultimate objective grabber that you can, yeah. you know, you could fly it in to pick up, dig up the objective in the middle, um, the, the uh, mission where you have to go grab your opponent's objective in their base and bring it back. The Crabane loves that yeah. mission. Um, so yeah, yeah, there's a lot of things to do about this list. Did you want to talk about some of the strategies to, uh, that you would use for this list? Well, well one thing I'll say also about this list before we get into strategies that I like, which is definitely not a thing for you necessarily, because mm -hmm. I know you have more of an eye strictly for the competitive side of things. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's like I, like, I like, I don't like spamming models. Mm -hmm. um, I, I really have kind of an adversity mm -hmm. to that. And I like... I like diversity. I like to take a lot of different type of models, different weapons, even, you know, like orcs, urukai, humans, uh, birds. I got like all kinds of different stuff in this list. Um, even even in the uh, urukai, you got like, you got warriors, you got scouts, you got berserkers, uh, crossbowmen. Like, that's what I like. I, li I don't like to take an army that has like three heroes and like 45 of the same warrior. It's like so boring right yeah, just yeah. like to look at it is boring to play it is boring uh it's just all boring to me um so like what that's one of the things we really like about isengard is you can take a really diverse looking list when you take it with all kinds mm -hmm. of different stuff in there trolls a cross giant crossbow you got like all kinds of different stuff you can throw in there so this army is definitely checking that box for me as well yeah and on top of that this army has so many different warriors that have different special strikes because some of them can bring maces, some of them can bring axes, some of them can bring swords. So if you really get to the point where you can start micro playing mm -hmm. your special strikes, um, you bring an extra level of advantage to the table, like bringing those bashes on heroes, bringing the stuns, bringing, um, bringing the piercing strike when it's needed. Uh, and, and this army, because you can grab the orcs, you can grab the urukai, you can grab the dunlendings, they have a lot of these things. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, in terms of like strategies or, or tactics you could use um, with this, like I, I'm not really the, the strategy guy per se, uh, honestly, but like, so this is similar to the combined arms in a way where it's it's got all of those different things, shooting, mobility, you know, you can throw up a little bit of a shield wall. Uh, it's It's got a lot of different tools at its disposal, but like the main tool is it is just turbocharged with might mm -hmm. like like to me in terms of tactics it all centers around that it, it's it's basically you're gonna you're gonna just turbocharge your way through whatever situation it is with using might like your average opponent will not be able to keep up with you on 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 might expenditure mm -hmm. and if, if you catch a part of his army where he's only got one hero and you remove that hero well then you're just you're you're calling like heroic moves with with no opposition yeah right 
so that is that is huge like to me that's the overriding sort of tactical edge that this army brings mm -hmm. in terms of like overriding strategies that you would try to use i'm not sure i mean what, what from your own experience what have you found have you been running around the table with different warbands all sort of doing their own thing did you uh, take Verasco and his shooting contingent post them up in a nice little kill zone and just are peppering for uh, the whole game um were you doing a lot about flanking did you run at your opponent headlong what were your thoughts based on the well, actual experience you had like in my actual experience is like basically like for for Vrasku I find him to be extremely versatile because mm -hmm. not only can he rain down um some deadly shooting so like in one game I hung back with him and basically held a position and shot at my advancing opponent and forced them to sort of take cover and slow down um which kind of took them out of the game honestly mm. um the thing with vrasku and his guys is once they stop shooting they're incredibly effective melee fighters as well like the only yeah. thing they don't have is a shield other than that they're fantastic mm -hmm. right yeah, they're yeah, urkai right. they're really good in combat um so so that unit kind of just plays itself there's always something to do for that for mm -hmm. that unit um and the other one too is and this may not work going forward but like i've only played this in one tournament so uh and and the dunlending stuff was very new at the time so every i think it i think it came to pass in two of my games where i just completely took their big hero out of the game for the entire game with gorolf and it's just because they were completely unaware of it completely unprepared for it um so in in both games like he neutralized like a say 150 point you know top tier hero for the entire game yeah and, and you know when that happens it's hard to win the game honestly yeah. for, for that army mm -hmm. because the rest of your army is just doing whatever you want yeah, agreed. You know, I mean, at 700 points, if you've got a 150, 200 point model, that's literally doing nothing. Yeah. The, the point swing on that is just, it's so, not possible. Like I would, I would expect that competitive minded players will quickly figure out the riddle of Gorolf uh, Ironhide. Hint, you know? hint, shoot him. Uh, <laughs> well, shooting him is 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 going to be the easiest thing. But, you know, even, yeah, it, it, it's just don't, don't let them like you know fly paper your your big hero basically. Pretty much, yeah. And yeah. be very careful where Frida is because if Frida is allowed to float around and jump into combats as she wills, then expect heroes to just get blunted by her presence yeah. alone. And then I know in another game, um, like we were doing all our fighting and shooting and battle lines, fighting battle lines and whatever. And then my Crabane just flew all the way around the board and seized an objective at the other side of the table and won the game. Yeah. Just, just simple as that. Sometimes that happens. Yep. You know? Yeah. So, and you know, like even my little cavalry contingent of, uh, of Sharku and his three guys you know in one of my games that i played we were having a little line fight you know like maybe eight or nine models versus you know the same number mm -hmm. and like those guys arrived and charged into the flank of the guys i was fighting and into their rear and it was mm -hmm. like i just quickly mopped them up hmm. so it's like you know you got a lot of tools in an army like this you do that's one of the beauties of the micro warband there's a lot of things you can do with it yeah
but it's like to me really fun army to play mm-hmm. really fun army to play just because there's so much going on there's so much might is like like candy in this army yeah. um and you've got everything you know this is you're you're never at a loss for something to do with this list all righty so i'm now i guess to finish up this segment i'm gonna throw a proposed list together i've done tried my best mm-hmm. to come up with a good list that could work okay. i mean i could have gone with the Minas Tirith one that was pretty much writing itself but mm-hmm. i wanted to try something a little bit different don okay. has never heard this list so we'll see what he thinks it could be pew pew or it could mm-hmm. be this may have legs okay yeah lay it on me okay so here we go so it's 750 points all right it's got 2728 models okay uh-huh. Uh, and I'll leave the rest of it, uh, leave those statistics until I get through it. So, this is Minas Tirith, Fellowship, and Rivendell, all allied oh together. Okay. So <laughs> Minas Tirith, Fellowship, Rivendell. That's right. So, okay. we've got Ingold in Glorian from the Minas Tirith list. Mm-hmm. And he is leading eight uh, Guard of the Fountain Court with shield and a warrior Minas Tirith with spear, shield, and banner. And the reason I have this is my sort of my little block because when you you double stack this, you're like you know, what is it, four wide, five wide max? Yeah, it's not a very that's large. a fairly big warband, not really micro warbandish so far, but keep going. Okay, so but the but the reason why I chose this is mostly because in gold special rule, which is. Um, any Ministerth warrior uh, or Ministerth soldier, I think it is, within three inches of him, does not fall back when they lose combat. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, even though your opponent's winning the combat, you don't mm-hmm. move. They have to move back, right? Yeah, so in order to use that rule, you kind of have to lean into it a little bit, so you need yeah. a little bit of a bigger warband. That makes a lot of sense. Exactly. And because these are Guard of the Fountain Court, they have the Bodyguard rule, they've got the Fight 4, they've got the D7, Ingold mm-hmm. himself has D7, he also has Heroic Defense, and he's got 3 Might. So to me, I see this as this this big, this small tarpet unit. It's got a banner, which is great, so it allows some rerolls. And it moves around. It doesn't want to get involved in combats too much i mean once mm-hmm. it, it wants to sort of find a wedge point and then sort of be a threat in that if your opponent wants to try to get to them they've got to go through them and they're not an easy nut to crack and all right are you going to get on to the rest of your list or are you just going to talk about this one more band hey easy there easy there next war band is mablung i believe it's mablung uh, and he is running three rangers of Gondor with spear and one ranger of Gondor. So that's five guys in total. And the Which reason- guy is Mablung? I believe Mablung, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, or someone will on the internet, is he is the one with bird calls. And that is... Oh, the, he's one of the new he's heroes. He's one of the rangers of Athelion heroes. Okay, okay. And what he brings know. to the table is he and all rangers of Gondor within six inches of him count as having the stock unseen special rule. So you get an objective, you stick it in terrain, you put those guys in terrain out of with some sort of obstacle in front. Mm-hmm. They're now invisible. So now it's invisible. Okay, sorry. Shooting. How many guys did he have with him? He's got four. Just four. Four guys. Okay. Four right. rangers of Gondor. Four rangers of Gondor. Now they're not yeah. done the snuff at. They got fight for, yeah. and three of them got spears. So all of a sudden he brings some shots to the table. So we've got five shots from Mablung, yeah. and. He can shoot, and his whole unit can sort of be invisible. So the idea is they can sit on an objective and just shoot all day long, and your opponent has to come and, like, root them out with actual troops. Right on. Okay. Uh, the third hero is the Gondor Trebuchet. 
That's right. I went with a Siege engine. Mm-hmm. Now, this isn't mobile, but that's fine because it does splash damage. And that causes models to spread out. The other beautiful part about this is because my army is so spread out with multiple different contingents, um, the trebuchet can be hitting for a lot longer, can be shooting for a lot longer without having to worry about hitting its own army. Mm-hmm. The trebuchet can also be set up on potentially another backfield objective uh, or just can be set up uh, out of the way because remember, the trebuchet doesn't need line of sight because it has indirect firing. Therefore, that in and of itself can sort of protect it from return fire. Right. Yeah, what's that thing worth? 80 points. 80? Okay. Yeah, that's pretty cheap. Uh, and then you have, now we dip into the Fellowship, where we bring Boromir of the Fellowship with Horse and Shield. Shocker. And, shocker alert, I know. We're bringing Boromir because he's got six might. The guy is a beast. And while he doesn't have the magic protection like he would with Sekaladra, Lady of Light, it doesn't really matter. The guy's 105 points. He's got mm-hmm. six might. And guess what he loves doing? He loves charging multiple enemy infantry because he can call his Horn of Gondor, right? Yeah. And that means he has a chance of just winning it outright without even having to roll dice. He also brings yeah. Heroic Strike and Heroic Defense. Heroic Defense meaning he can tie stuff up, but he's got Fight 6, so he can even fight Elves and not have to worry about Fight value. <laughs> yeah, talk about turbocharged models, oh my god. Right. And yeah. last but not least, we have the Rivendell Contingent. And the Rivendell Contingent is... Eladin and Elro here with armor, mm-hmm. horses, and bows. It's a bit pricey, I'll admit, but you get six more might on the table. You get fight six. We've got some strength four. We've got elven blades. And even if they get dismounted, they're still three attacks when they're on the ground. But they also bring elven bows, which again, I'm adding ranged fire. Not only am I adding ranged fire, I'm adding strength three ranged fire, which is big. Mm-hmm. Uh, three plus shoot value. Uh, and their little warband is three Rivendell Knights with shield and four, Riv- four High Elves, two with spears and shields and just two with um, spears. And, sorry, two with shields and two with uh, spear and shield. And the reason why I'm going with such a large, again, another large contingent, is that Elodin Elro here and his three buddies... Uh, the Rivendell Knights are going to break off immediately from this warband and just go off mm-hmm. and do their own thing. They have yeah. five bows between them, all elven bows, which and all at a three plus shoot value. So they bring a fair amount to the table. And this little micro unit of four high elves are all shield bearing, right? You've got two with shields and two with shield and spears. So they can yeah. sort of move around and they aren't they're something that you can snuff at because they've got the fight five um, and they can do a, some, some work if they need to because they have also have the Elven Blades. Yeah. They can, if sort of lines connect or Ingold's unit is getting overwhelmed, they can dive into that. They mm-hmm. can go grab their own objective and do their own thing. Or what they can do is they can support Boromir. Well, I was going to say, like, you know, you have seven warriors with the twins, but the thing is, so that, like you mentioned, that's like, you know, a fair number, but then again, you took Boromir and he has none with him, no warriors. Exactly. So if you kind of average it out, it's like, you know, Boromir with, with three warriors and uh, the twins with four, if you sort of look at it that way. Exactly. And so the Boromir can run with his little contingent of four high elves you know, all with shields, which allows him to do one thing he loves doing, slamming into combat, killing stuff, and the high elves run into combat shields, because they have fight mm-hmm. five, they stand a very good chance of living, and their their job is to sort of keep going long enough for Boromir to grind through whatever they're fighting. 
Yeah. And, and this force comes out at 17 might. Uh, and it comes out at 10 bows. Wow, is that a coincidence? It's the same number of might as my army. I know, 17 might. Unfortunately, two of that might is on, one of it's on Mablung and one of it's on the Trebuchet. So it's not mm-hmm. going to be doing a whole lot of like combats and moves and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But the Trebuchet might could be very much, could very well be a, I'm going to hit your hero and I land a wound on him or I roll yeah. a five on the deviation and it's a side of minus Well, like you, you can't sniff at the one might on Mablung because it's still a hero with a bow with might and he has accuracy. Bingo, yep. So right? he can... So, you know, that point of might is definitely going to come in handy in the game and it will definitely be used for sure. Oh, absolutely. Him being able to maybe take out a, a horse on a, on a hero, yeah. uh, you know, dismounting them, that's a pretty big deal. And so we've got 10 bows in this force. We've got five from Mablung and his crew. And we've got five on the elf side. All of it's three plus shoot value. All of it's 24 inches. Uh, and we also mm-hmm. have a siege engine with splash damage. So mm-hmm. it's yeah, a like bit it. of a, yeah. So what do you think? Is this a... Um, I like it. I, I'm seeing a lot of like what we talked about earlier. I'm seeing I'm seeing heroes with, uh, with bows that have might to back them up. Um, like you mentioned, uh, three plus shooting. I'm seeing like Cav in there for some for some charges with lances. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you got the seventeen might happening. What's your total model count here? Twenty seven. It's a little light. Twenty seven. So it's a little bit lower than mine. But you're dealing with elves here, so that's not a big surprise. I'm dealing with Urukai and orcs. Right. Um. So so that makes sense that there's going to be you know it's like. 90% of what mine is basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, I like the idea of the trebuchet in here. Um, and it's kind of different because, you know, it's not an army where you have a battle line and then your trebuchet is sitting behind it. It's kind of, you have all these like weird war bands floating around the table and then you have a trebuchet off in the corner hiding behind some trees. Exactly. And the trebuchet you know? just launches shots all game long and because there's only 27 models of which I think it's three or four included in the trebuchet um, this is not an army that's going to be clashing into a line and like tying up the majority of my opponent's army that that is Mm -hmm. not the case this is an army that will hit elements of my opponent's line and it'll allow me to keep firing that trebuchet for probably in a 10 turn game or like an 8 turn game let's say it'll probably be firing for at least 6 or 7 turns yeah, I kind of see, like, the way I kind of see this army sort of naturally kind of setting up is Ingold and his little shield wall and Mablung and his archers kind of setting up together as, mm-hmm. like, uh, a shield wall with uh, rangers with bows and, and spears behind. Um, you have your trebuchet wherever, and then you have Boromir and the elves who are kind of your, you know, your big stick that floats around the table and mm-hmm. puts the smack down on stuff. And, you know, you can add your, your three elf bowmen to your to your battle line with Mablung in them. Exactly. To me, well, that's kind of the way this is going to sort of shake down. Well, the, the 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 bows actually are on the Rivendell Knights, right? So you can you're oh, moving. Oh yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Right. So those okay. those high yeah. elves are really just four high elves with two have shield, two have spear and shield, right? Mm-hmm. So the beauty of those high elves is if I want to, I can actually throw them in with Ingold if I absolutely need to, and all yeah. of a sudden I've got some fight five. I got a battle line that's got some fight five on it. Yeah. 
Uh, and, you know, like you said, if it's not an objective-based game, Mablong and his little crew of Rangers aren't too far behind um, Ingold and his team if I need them to be. So I can sort of bolster that line if necessary, or I can just keep having Mablong and his four Rangers just shoot all day long if I get the right piece of terrain, and my mm-hmm. opponent just can't target them. And so that's kind yeah. of the idea is my shooting is relatively untargetable unless yeah. you have to go dig it out. And if you're going to dig it out, you're not allocating resources to the other components of the other force. Yeah, I like that. Uh, this this army would be a fun army to to try out. I almost see, you know, we've talked about, and I think we're probably going to do another one of these kind of bonus episodes on mm-hmm. our our army our army type thing. And it, we've talked about hybrid lists before, mm-hmm. where you know. You may not fall completely under the category of one of our pre-described army types, yep. um, but you could be a hybrid of two or more, right? Mm-hmm. And to me, this—if you actually really look at the elements of this army—it is, uh, you know, it's a micro warband army for sure, but it's also kind of a hybrid between um, uh, a line breaker and a shield wall, mm-hmm. right? Like if you look at Boromir and the twins and the three Rivendell knights. Um, there's your line breaker, and the rest is kind of shield wall. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so the, again, that's the beauty of the of the micro warband is the the micro warband has elements of multiple different army types, and so if it yeah. needs to assume another army type, even if in a minor way, it can do that. Right, like we talked about in gold and his little line, we could throw the elves in there. We could throw Mablung in there, and all of a sudden, those those eight guardian um, guard of the fountain court can spread out into an eight wide line, and I yeah. can just throw Mablung and his rangers on there with some spears. I can throw the elves behind, or you know, I can arrange it in such a way that I can get an eight wide line if I absolutely need it, and I have a hammer too. In fact, yeah. from the twins and from, and from Boromir. Yeah, this is one of those like hammer anvil kind of deals where if if your opponent is not is not careful and he engages engages your guard of the fountain court battle line and then you end up bringing in your cavalry into that fight, it's mm-hmm. like oh boy, that'll be over quick. Exactly, and so that's kind of one of the strategies that I can play with this list. Um, this list is also not a force that you uh, you want to you don't want to have weak outflanking units to come against this force because it's no. going to hammer those units into the ground. Um, and if you bring really big outflanking units, like like with lots of heroes and whatnot, to deal with them, I can just run away and play the kiting game. And all of a sudden, yeah. you're de- devoting way more resources to killing my units than I am. Uh, yeah, this is like we talked last episode about the the Spider Queen and mm-hmm. how you know I was saying you got to really keep your eye on that model because you you sort of like you yep. blink and you've you've lost a you know a mid tier hero just like like lickety split, and it's kind of the same with this here. If you've got if you've got Boromir and the twins riding around on horses, it's like oh my god, there's so much hitting power there. It's just ridiculous. Twelve might worth of hitting power, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right on. So, I like that list, actually. That's a good list. That'd be a fun one to play, too, because there's lots of diversity there, like I was going on about, like I do. Mm-hmm. Um, that, there's a lot of interesting elements to this list here, and I like the inclusion of the uh, the siege weapon there. Yeah, I, I've been I've been listening to Into the West, and they're big into the siege weapons, and I'm I'm giving it a second look, and, and honestly, 
a single siege weapon sitting there and it just spooks your opponent. And I'm like, I'm okay yeah. with you being spooked because that means I'm going to hit you with this yeah. when you least suspect it. Uh, it also means you're going to spread out. And guess what? I love it when opponents spread out against me, especially with this list, because yeah, you can pick them apart. I can pick them apart. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. I like it. I like it a lot. Alrighty. Do you have anything else you want to wrap up on this one? I don't think so. I think we've rambled on about uh, micro warbands quite enough. Let's do some all that is gold does not glitter. Because we have a question. We have a question all the way from Belgium. Mm. And forgive me if I butcher this last name, but it is Lucas Heisman. And Lucas says, Hey, Don and Andrew, thanks for doing this podcast. I'm really enjoying it, and I can't wait for more episodes. I really love the quality of the content and the audio. Such a comfy podcast to listen to. I like that. Uh, You guys make a great team. I have some questions for you guys. Which is, and we got to not repeat ourselves on this. Got to come up with something original if we can. Okay. Which is your favorite army slash list to play at the moment and why? I don't particularly mean competitive. Okay, well, that rules you out. (laughs) (laughs) But really just enjoy playing because of the theme or play style. For me personally, it's Army of Thror at the moment, just because the army looks great, and it's really straightforward. Just run at your opponent and hammer away while having some solid tricks up your sleeve. As a Lothlorien player, I really like the theme and looks of the army, but I find it to not be so competitive on its own. What would you guys change or add to make it more competitive a more competitive army. Hashtag a horse for Celeborn. Hashtag rework the Stormcaller. Uh, thanks again for the great podcast and good luck. So there you go. He's got a couple of questions in there. One about Lothlorien, what to do to make it better. Mm-hmm. And basically, uh, what is your favorite army slash list to play at the moment and why and he's not talking competitive he's talking let's go with play style for you well okay so what's the what's the favorite list that i love to play that's not competitive well we both know that i struggle at trying to actually play anything um that doesn't involve winning but actually i do enjoy playing moria and more specifically i do enjoy playing straight up goblin spam with the balrog I just love moving around the Balrog. I mean, I don't expect to win, uh, although the Legendary Legion just came out, so that might change things. Um, but I just have fun. I'm like, ooh, super cool monster, because you never get to play with those uh, in yeah. any competitive event, because most of the time they're garbage. And yeah, it's just a lot of fun. You know? And I, I think the yeah, last time and, I played, that, I lost three games or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that that new Legendary Legion, too, is like it does make the... Uh, the Balrog like a, a way more effective and way more fun model to play a lot a lot more you can do with it so agreed so that's cool mm-hmm. yeah that's I like that answer what about you? um 
for me at, I would be repeating myself ad nauseum if I if I just gave out my normal answers so I won't and instead I will kind of put a different spin on this question and I will say what army do I plan on playing um, I haven't started playing yet because we haven't really started per se um, of course, the army that I'm building for our sort of army challenge, which has really been gone quiet for, for the last four months or so. I know. Oh. Yeah, and that is the army of Dunland. Um, really looking forward to playing that army. I don't think it's very particularly competitive, um, but I do, I do want to try playing that army. It's new, so to me, it's kind of exciting. Uh, also, because like I already owned a good portion of the army, so it one of the things I like to do when building an army is like I like to play with my toy soldiers that I already own. Mm -hmm. So one of the reasons why I, I sort of shy away from building like competitive like spammy lists or whatever because like when I buy a box of miniatures like I want to play with all of the miniatures. I don't want to only ever play with half of them and the other half never get used. Mm -hmm. So like you know I want to I've bought all the additional models I need for the list so I want to paint all of those models that I want to play with and and use everything and I mm -hmm. like this army Dunland army of Dunland because like I said earlier in the episode it's a list that has a lot of diversity now it's actually got quite a few units in the list it's not like uh, you know I would say in terms of size of um, it's not a faction it's a legendary legion but in terms of size of army let's say it, it's it's pretty average now because you have quite a few units in the army that you so you can build a, a decent you know diverse army mm-hmm so I would say that I'm really looking forward to getting that army on the table. I still have quite a bit of painting to do with that, um, but definitely looking forward. The other one, which is which has no diversity to it at all, but one that I started to collect the models for, um, kind of as we were going into COVID and during COVID, I was I was glad getting them, and that's the Black Riders. And then of course, Games Workshop was nice enough to put all the models back up for sale. Oh, that's right. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I was able to. I think I ended up only having to buy the Witch King and and uh, one set of three, I believe. And uh, so I have all those guys ready to go because I'd like to try the Black Riders list also, just because I think it's cool. I think it's a really interesting legendary legion. Um, you know, for many years we've seen people try to play the nine, like not mm -hmm. the named nine mm -hmm. um and it's a really hard army to play it's unforgiving it's not competitive um, difficult to play so you know with the additional rules that they've given to the legendary legion i think it actually has a chance it can definitely win games um you know probably not top tier but again something that I'm looking forward to playing. That one for me will be a little bit more challenging just because you're playing with however many models and they're all spellcasters. So there's a lot to remember. There's a lot to keep track of. Um, probably for someone like me, it's a difficult army to, to play. But. I think the biggest challenge there was the shooting component to it. Um, you know, any anyone who's got shooting is going to really give that army a, a run for its money. 
um, and really put a, a damper on its day. But if your opponent doesn't opponent doesn't have shooting, you easily have the the ability to just dive in and out, attacking, casting drain courages on heroes, casting black darts, that kind of thing, as a character yeah. assassinations and just diving into combat. Yeah. So I don't know. Those are two sort of different armies that that I'm looking forward to playing, but haven't really played either of them yet. Mm. So kind kind of avoiding the question and answering it a little bit different, just so that I don't say, oh, I'm I like playing Kazadum and Isengard and you know whatever Angmar. <laughs> right. My my normal answers. Uh, what do you think about his question about Lothlorien? Oh wow! Changes um, or things to add that would make it a little bit more competitive. Well, I think um, everybody's always like they've got to take um, mounts. You have to have mounts, but the reality is Lothlorien they live in a forest, yeah. right? I mean that's their whole shtick. They live in this massive forest. Yes, they do have cav to some degree. Um, and yes, their captains can take calves. So I guess uh, right off the bat, probably putting Celeborn on a horse may not be a bad thing. Um, and then giving him fleet foot and woodland creature just so that he has the ability mm -hmm. to run through um, forested terrain and that kind of thing and still charge yeah. with you know their full arm bonus. Uh, but I was actually making some notes as you brought it up. And I think some really cool things that they could do is one, make Celeborn a hero of legend because with some of the some of the missions out there about uh, with every mission out there that's all about killing enemy heroes or you know contest of champions having Galadriel mm -hmm. having Galadriel in your army is a huge detriment one she's unarmed which means she's minus one on the dual role she's not going to kill anything or very rarely will she kill something um, yeah. So having her in your army is like, well, if I draw a contest, I'm in a really big pickle to try and win this one. Whereas if you had Celeborn as a hero of legend, all of a sudden it's like, cool, I can take Celeborn, I can take Galadriel. They're both heroes of legend, which Celeborn should be a hero of legend. Um, and I can have Celeborn be my leader. So all of a sudden, that makes me slightly better in the, those character fights, right? And Galadriel... Yeah, can, like, how, how can he have the rule Lord of the West and yet not be a hero of legend? Exactly, right? He's a Lord of the West. Exactly. Um, the other thing is, uh, I think Celeborn probably deserves maybe like a free point of will each turn, uh, in part to allow him to cast Enchanted Blades every turn, right? That the, Then you don't give him a horse. So all of a sudden he casts Enchanted Blades, he gets rerolls to wound uh, more often than not, and that's kind of his shtick, um, which mm -hmm. kind of leans to the whole magic component. Um, the other piece about uh, Galadriel and Celeborn is their Warband upgrade bonus is dumb. I spend, what is it, plus one point to give... Uh, a Courage 5 Elf, Courage 6. That is yeah. the dumbest upgrade. It's a waste of points. So what they should do is they should change it. So for example, Galadriel's, because the army bonus is uh, magic resistance, um, Galadriel's uh, bonus should be um, you can pay an extra point to all of a sudden give models in your warband Fortify Spirit. They're heroes, right? So they're not heroes. They're they're infantry, so they're they're warrior models. So they're not like they're going to go crazy with it. But all of a sudden, having mm -hmm. half of your army have fortified spirit means most magic 
related stuff is like, oh god, that's going to be difficult just to hit an infantry person. And it, and it plays to Galadriel's magic side. The other piece for Celeborn could be, you know, if we're saying Celeborn is all about um, defense, um, which I'm just pitching, um, mm-hmm. maybe spend a point to allow um, models in his warband to have the shield wall special rule, right? So all of a sudden, you now have defense seven elves, right, when they're in shield wall formation, which yeah. is pretty cool, right? Because again, it gives them flavor, right? And I, I think you need to incorporate some kind of ambush. Ambush style rules. This is Lothlorien. Yeah, they that's are- that's what I was thinking too. Is that, and I know over the years in in both Warhammer and in 40k, I, I'm pretty sure there were uh, factions or armies that allowed you to put terrain on the table. Yeah. Uh, I can't recall the specific examples, but I just remember that from days gone by. And it would be an interesting rule for, for this army to have is, is you know, like, you know, when you deploy, you're allowed to drop like a, you know, like a six inch diameter forest or uh, whatever, mm. you know, something like that. Or Well, what I was thinking is you could, a la Goblin Mercenaries, say that a wood elf captain, right, who's a model that's almost never taken, yeah. gets the essentially the goblin mercenary rule, where if they're leading warbands only of wood elf warriors, right, the ones who are defense three, they can yeah. be t- held off in reserve, and all of a sudden they can appear on a piece of terrain anywhere, right? Yeah. And because they're courage five, or he's courage six, it's really reliable, right? And because they've got um, elven cloaks, all of a sudden they're in terrain that you just can't see them, you can't see them, you can't yeah. shoot them. And then what I would do with the Wood Elf Warrior is, I'm sorry, throwing daggers should not be two points on a model that's defense three. <laughs> yeah. That is ridiculous. In fact, what I would do is I would make their Elven Bow be one point, not two. And I would do this because it's kind of, and I know almost all Elven Bows are two points, but by mm-hmm. doing this, you're saying, look, this is a model that you can sort of throw into cover um, and your Elven Cloaks will protect you, but you're still a really expensive you know, defense three models. So it's kind of a glass cannon. So are you talking making uh, like elf and elf bow one point for both Gladrum and for Wood Elf Warriors or no, just for Wood Elf? just for the Wood Elf Warriors. Yeah, right? I kind of like that idea, actually. So then all of a sudden the Wood Elf Warriors have a purpose. They can join their Wood Elf Captain. They can just randomly appear somewhere and they can set up shop and they can immediately start peppering you with bow fire. Um, or and they can start throwing their throwing daggers. And all of a sudden, they're just a harassing unit that's sitting in terrain at a, a, in, an, in a position that's sort of anywhere on the table so they don't have to run there and avoid being shot to death. So all of a sudden, they're just this difficult little bunker. You have to dig out, take a couple of those, and they're not too expensive. I mean, they're an eight-point model. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't increase their points cost for this ambush rule. They're already too expensive for defense three, right? So I give it to them for free. And all of a sudden, what you've done with this list is one, you have a hero who, a hero of legend, so Celeborn. So you can all of a sudden take Galadriel and not make her your hero. You've got some fun mechanics with the upgrades for Galadriel and for Celeborn that sort of lean to both their styles. Um, and then you've upgraded the Wood Elves. Um, so that they're not dreadful. They're useful sort of like ambush mechanics. So all of a sudden this army, which is relatively static with, um, you know, three or four Galadrim knights um, sort of to back them up for outflanking, all of a sudden becomes this movement positioning kind of force uh, because of their ambush rules. 
Yeah, those are some good some good ideas. What do you think about he he said uh, what do you say hashtag rework the storm caller? Like I know, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the call win spell got like badly nerfed. Did it not? It did. Remember, and it needed to. I'm sorry. I, yeah, I know. people used to use that a lot. Yeah, they, it was it was busted. Like I'm sorry for those that think they it should be reworked, but like. It's a it's a spell that once it goes off, I push someone two d six inches back. That yeah. could be upwards of like twelve inches, and I'm not saying this would over happen, but it, the average is seven, which means on a six inch model, right, six inch moving model, you are knock prone, thrown back seven inches on average. You stand up, you yeah. move three inches, so it's two movement phases before you get back. In yeah, it's fight. like putting you out of commission for two turns, pretty well. Yeah, and that can be devastating, and. So I now think, it's what, just D6? A it's single just D6? D6, yeah. Yeah. Now, I, I could see you reworking call wins to be like, um, I, I could cast it and it knocks them prone, but their movement phase is done. Kind of like how like um, a fell light is within you from the Deadmarsh Spectres, right? Yeah. So like I've, I've buffeted you with wind, you're knocked down only D6 inches, but you're knock prone and you stay prone, right, for this turn, right? Yeah, these guys kind of, to me, have... I think they also changed the spell because they have Call Winds and Enchanted Blades now. I thought they had Call Winds and um, Wrath of Bruinin or Ruinin they or whatever did, it is. They did, they did, yeah. Yeah, so they lost that as well. But, like, to me, these guys are the same thing as, um, like, the evil orc shamans. You know, mm. not enough spells, not enough will. It's just not interesting enough for me uh, personally i think this this storm caller for 60 points should get a free point of will a turn that's it you're big on the free point of will a turn well this, because uh, you take this dude for 60 points who's a minor hero remember that's another downgrade yeah a minor hero for 60 points it takes someone who can cast three spells maximum yes i might roll a six and before you could chuck three dice for the six, um, yeah. So I can throw all three dice, hope I get the six, and all of a sudden my will points are replenished. Yeah, that could happen. But, you know, yeah, it's a 58% chance. But, you know, if it doesn't happen, all of a sudden you're gassed on will and you've got this dude who literally has no heroic actions to speak of, is pretty much useless for most of the game. Heroic channeling, that's it. Yeah, that's pretty much useless. Um, so... I like the idea of giving will to, like, free points of will to certain individuals. And, um, like, cause I'm not saying this person should have it. I'm saying all shaman-level characters should have it. Because then all of a sudden it gives them long-lasting durability. And if that means mm -hmm. you have to change the staff, like the wizard's staff of power, maybe tweak it a bit to give them magic resistance built in, something that sort of sets them above everyone else... Because it, yeah. it, it then allows these little sh uh, casters their time in the sun. And you still, you've reduced their, what spells they've got. You've made the minor heroes, so they're costly for what the warbands they can bring. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it changes things up a bit. Yeah, like like I, I turn the page in, in the book, which I have in my lap, and you got the Gladrum Stormcaller who can cast two magical powers. And on the, you know, on the next uh, page... You got the Wood Elf Sentinel, who, although they're not spells, has the ability to do four different enchanting songs. I mean, yeah. whether they're good or not, he can do four different things. 
and it doesn't cost will. Whereas the guy that's using ma magic can only, unless he rolls a six, he can only do three things, and he only has two spells to cast. Well, the, the Sentinel's three songs, but you can't resist them. One of them is insane, because it's literally... Take a courage test. It's essentially the fell light. Within oh yeah, you. sorry. The first thing is enchanting song. So it's yeah. just talking about the songs. That's three. Yeah. Yeah. So the first thing is um, I can cast this on someone, and you have to make a courage test. Now that's not always going to work, but I mean, a lot of the monsters that don't have might are courage three, courage two. So all mm -hmm. of a sudden, you have a chance that this twenty-five point model is controlling your seventy to hundred and twenty point monster, even for a turn. That's really nasty. Yeah. The other one is um, target friendly model passes all courage tests for the remainder of the turn. Now, if you think about it, if someone nukes your hero to withdrain courage down to one, you cast that mm -hmm. on them, and all of a sudden they don't care, right? Yeah. So th this and the last one is that just makes the the sentinel cause terror, which isn't it's very situational. Um, but overall, um, I think those changes that I listed could bring new life into this force. Um, I you know I don't want to go as far as to say it needs the Rivendell Knight treatment where it, their cav need lances, because um, I don't know. Like the thing is, they're the only Elven force that don't have a lance equivalent bonus, right? Like Thranduil's Halls, um, their army bonus allows Thranduil to get plus one to wound to yeah. pretty much all the infantry. And the Cav, so all of a sudden the idea is you take Thranduil, you take some Cav, everyone charges in, and your Cav now have charge bonus with a lance, okay? Uh, yeah. Rivendell Knights, they have a lance, right? They're the only elves that don't have a lance. So when you look at Rivendell Knights, or you look at Rivendell, and you say to yourself, what's the hitting power of Rivendell? Well, it's the knights, it's the heroes, right? Because they're on horses. When you look at Lothlorien, where's the hitting power? It doesn't exist, right? And so some of those changes um, will be very interesting to see. And maybe, just maybe, you you tag on a special rule. Maybe maybe all of a sudden Celeborn... Hey, maybe his special rule instead of shield wall is he spends a point of might um, and or sends, you have to spend an extra point for your um, your Galadrim knights and um, if they charge through difficult terrain they give a lance bonus or something like that you know I don't know yeah like well this just like it, it this isn't that type of army it's not a shock army it's not a cavalry an army you know like you said it's an mm -hmm. ambush force it's a you know kind of a skirmishy force they can form a battle line for sure but mm -hmm. you know it's it's a different type of army so it's you can't you can't just give horses and cavalry to every army in the game right otherwise everything is the same exactly so i mean what you could do with the the cav is you could say if they're led by a galadrim captain who's on a horse right maybe the galadrim captain on a horse um, gives them the, the equivalent of elven cloaks while they're in difficult terrain, right? Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden they're able to have that sort of ambushy style, right? They're in difficult terrain, they got the bunch of cav around them, they're invisible. All of a sudden they can get the charge off. Yeah. And again, yeah. it's reinforcing this idea of the ambush. Yeah, so here, this has turned into a long discussion on Lothlorien, but so um, like in terms of our, um, our army type, series mm -hmm. like this is definitely not a line breaker type no. list 
Okay, mm. what would you say is is their go to sort of strategy, as we would define it? It's a shield wall list. Yeah, pretty it's, well it is. It's isn't a it? shield wall list that's unfortunately expensive with strength three, and no way of getting strength four. Yeah, and then it's just got it's just got tricks like mm-hmm. you know you got you got your sentinels you do have magic, uh, you have good shooting you have spears. Um, you got a couple of you got a good combat hero in Celeborn, but um, again, you got a couple mid tier heroes. Yeah, and it's like if you really want to do this, lean into the ambush thing because they're in the forests, and yeah. give special rules. Because honestly, the only characters I ever see are Celeborn, Rumel, Haldir, and maybe Galadriel, if you're taking the mirror, right? You never yeah. see the unnamed heroes, that from what I've seen. And I've, it's, it's a rarity when I see this list, but when I yeah. do, I don't see the unnamed heroes, ever. Well, in the, uh, in the new uh, command pack, like they have added back in an additional captain, mm-hmm. I believe in... in uh, like, do they have the Wood Elves and the Galadrum, I think, for sale coming up? I think so, yeah. And, like, previously for the Galadrum, for example, you could only get the the bow-armed captain, and now they have the sword-armed captain as well. Mm. But again, it's like, you need a reason to take those models. Exactly. There's no and reason currently to take Yeah, them. there isn't really one in the rules, because you would just take a better hero. Yeah, why am I spending 75 points for a Wood Elf captain that's defense 4? That's a waste. Yeah. He he needs he needs a little bit of spice added in there somewhere. <laughs> exactly. He needs some spice. Okay. So do you want to move on? Yes, let's move on. And uh, that was Lucas. Thank you very much, Lucas, for the question. And that's one of my favorite lines from any question we have ever had is such a comfy podcast to listen to. You know what that makes me think of? That makes me think of the line in The Hobbit where Bilbo said something along the lines of, I belong back at home in my armchair with my books, you know? It, it reminds me whenever <laughs> I see those really old um, Hobbit drawings. You know what I'm talking about? The, the, the aesthetic to the drawing it just makes yeah. you feel like comfy, like you're sitting in front of a fire. Like like you're in a drawing room in front of a fire with a pipe and your slippers. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> how I feel whenever I look at those. I love that. I love you. So thank you, uh, Lucas. Thank you. All right, we are jumping right into the TBD Chronicles. TBD Chronicles. And Andrew, you are going to be reading the the uh, content today. Do you have your story ready, sir? I do have my story. Do you want to give a brief um, sort of recap? Oh, yeah, I will. Yeah, sure, sure. So in the last episode, Garther and the yet-to-be-named mysterious woman from the East they were beginning to look for the orc encampment and at the end of the episode they did find an orc camp in some ruins and then suddenly they got charged from behind by two orcs mounted on wargs and a melee ensued there was some shooting and the very last scene was one of the orc uh, warg riders 
charging at the mysterious woman from the east and it didn't look good for her uh, yeah you, you left me in a bit of a pickle there my friend yeah so we're we're excited to see what you have done there maybe she just gets killed and that's the end of the story right that's there that's it it's, uh, it's a quick read today. It's only she dies. Yeah, That's it. It's not a quick read. This is long. You said it's... <laughs> I think this is like twice as long as anything so far. Uh, well, so if you can't stand this story, you know, this is the end. Thanks for joining us. See you right. next they time. They both died to, to, to an orc tracker and an orc warg on, uh, an orc on a warg. There you go, Dan. All right. I will let you take it away when you are ready and finish drinking your All water. All right. Have a little sip of the, uh, the, uh, this, the H2O. All right. All right. A smile grew on the orc's face at the prospect of an impending kill. Spear hurtling towards its prey, his sword drawn and warg pouncing. Life was good, he thought. His smile slowly started to disappear as the woman effortlessly sidestepped the spear. Moving as a blur, she twirled away from danger, diving to his right. The dive flowed into a roll. He attempted to bring his sword down upon her evading body and caught nothing but her cloak. It too was fluid, yielding to the blade's pressure without harm. Mid-roll saw her bow laid gently on the ground, as a small pool may appear after a torrent of water passes, unharmed and well-placed, his mouth agape with incredulity, eyes failing to process the unbelievable. She moved like an elf, but was a human. How, he thought. Engrossed in the moment, he didn't rear his warg. Its pounce took him further from her, too far for a second charge. He watched impotently as she sprang upwards into an aerial cartwheel, legs kicking into the air, her body pivoting, building torque. It was only then that he saw the blades in her hand, hands, throwing daggers held by the tips. As her right leg hit the ground, the momentum of her torso, swinging upwards, gave added force to the first dagger throw. It sank into the hind leg of his warg. It yelped a distant echo as the orc was helpless in his saddle, focusing on her movements. All other sights and sounds dim before the display of this battle maiden. As her left leg came down, she used it as a pivot to twirl a second time. The built-up momentum of the spin enhanced the force of the second throwing knife, embedding it in the warg's front leg. The creature yelped a second time and swayed right. The orc's eyes went wide, realizing his danger. He frantically worked his leg out of the stirrups, trying to get free before the warg fell, pinning him. His exit from the saddle was far less graceful, tumbling out, uh, tumbling out like discarded rocks, collapsing on the ground at an awkward angle, sword tossed haphazardly to avoid stabbing himself. Clawing at the dirt with his right hand, trying to gain purchase to push himself upright, Frantically hauling his shield arm around to defend himself, sweat beating on the brow and panic in his eyes as he searched for her. A flash of motion and glint of metal was all he saw before a third throwing dagger buried itself in his face. The weight of the strike jerked his head backwards, falling face up towards the downed warg. Flashes of images mixed with the growing darkness, her drawing a small ikette reverse grip from behind her back. Leaping into the air, the ferocious hunter thrusting her ikette downward, both hands on the hilt. 
The blade plunged into the warg's throat, and it yelped no more as oblivion took the warg and the orc. Split down the center grain and useless, thought the orc tracker. His horn-hewn bow hung at his side, all tension absent from the bowstring. Standing tall, he wondered what had happened to the dwarf. He heard the beast cursing, so he must have hit it. Crunch, crunch. His orcish ears perked up at the sound of boots stepping on gravel. He swiveled to see where the sound came from, and his eyes locked with death itself. The dwarf advanced on him, each step deliberate and sure. Garther's eyes were wide and intense. A mixture of madness and rage fueled the dwarf. The dwarf's ancient hatred for orcs manifested in his presence. Nostrils flares, his breath came out ragged, not from the pain in Garther's left hand, but from the indignity of the injury to an orc. Stomp, stomp. Trembling at the sight of the dwarf, the orc started involuntarily shaking, subtle at first, but as death came closer, the shuddering magnified. Legs started wobbling, stomach queasy and ready to expel its contents. Mouth grew dry. Oh, how dry it was. It felt like a barren desert, preventing the tracker from crying out. Boom, boom. Leaking down his leg, the orc wasn't sure which end it came out of, only that it came out freely and purely from fear. His eyes were drawn and bloodshot uh, from locking eyes with the dwarf, never blinking for fear that death would take him instantly. Swallowing hard, he reached for the, reached for the last vestiges of his courage and tried to bring up his dagger. That was met with an earth-shattering noise. Don't ye point a butter knife at me, orc, bellowed Garther before swatting it out of the orc's hand. Garther brought up his right fist and threw a heavy cross, knocking the orc unconscious in one blow. Standing over the unconscious body, Garther stared down at it and spat. Pathetic orc. Couldn't even kill me in a f couldn't even give me a fight. I'll never live this down with me, lads. My bow finger, no less. So disgraceful. Grunting, Garther reached for a hand axe on his belt when he heard, a when he heard her call to him. Keep him alive, Garther. We need information on that camp. Sighing deeply, Garther nodded. Bloody orc gets to live a little longer, he thought. Wisps of smoke drifted up the ridge and down the battlefield, coming from the ruins. Light at first, but heavier as the orcish fires grew. It reached Garther's nose, and he, and he retched slightly. A horrific blend of rotten flesh left out over several days, mixed with dirt and a familiar gravel-like scent what foul, what foul, disgusting carcasses are they cooking over there, he thought. Looking down at the orc, Garther smiled briefly. I'll ask this lout before I gut him, he thought. It might even make the embarrassment of this injury go away. But, staring down at his bloody index finger, he doubted it very much. A log popped in the fire, rousing the orc from his forced slumber. Sluggish and dizzy, he tried opening his eyes, but the world spun with vibrant reds, oranges, and yellows. Then, as his senses came to him, he heard voices. Two, a man to his right and a woman to his left, arguing. Garther, 
We cannot kill him yet. He knows the camp, and if we want to enter it, we need to know what we're up against, she said. The orc was laid in a fetal position. Feeling around, he knew his legs were bound. Curiously, though, his hands were not. The duo was thorough, he thought. He was ransacked of his weapons. Bah! Who cares? Be done with it! We can scout the camp well enough. We don't need any orcish lies to ensnare us in a trap, snarled Garther. You try that, Garther, thought the orc. They'll gut you good and proper before you know it. Add you to the pile. More meat for the party. He will talk. He knows something and he will tell us, the ranger replied. Then the ranger's voice changed timber and she inquired, How is your finger? Has the pain subsided somewhat? Interesting, the orc thought. The woman seemed dainty and frail. Maybe I can use that to my advantage. Get me out of this situation. Appeal to her softer side. Aye, the Garther replied. After ye burned the wound close, I thought the pain would never end. Whatever that weed was that you put on my finger, it did the trick. I hardly feel a thing. What is that stuff anyway? Feeling around with his hands, the orc thought he could feel orc thought he could feel something against his body, leaning against his chest, small, yet with liquid contents? A drink, perhaps, he thought. Aethalus, she replied. It has powerful medicinal properties. My mother told me about it when I was young. Unfortunately, though, most people think of it as a weed and nothing more. The container sloshed back and forth as the orc moved ever so slightly. Definitely liquid, but I wonder if it's safe, he thought. It's grog, orc, she said matter-of-factly, and I know you're conscious, so you might as well sit up. Opening his eyes, he saw the woman and the dwarf named Garther staring at him, both sitting on small boulders, a campfire between them and a cloudy night sky above. You should be worrying, orc, said Garther smugly. Your friends won't hear us nor see this fire. We're safe here. You, on the other hand, Garth's eyes became slits as his malice poured out towards the orc. Chuckling, the orc sat up. You can't kill me, stinking dwarf. Not until you get what I know. So until then, best you shut up. Garther startled to lunge for the orc, but the female ranger halted him with the word. Garther! Garther spun and locked eyes with her. Kill him and be done with it, girl, he snarled again. She met his intensity with the softness a mother gives her child. We need the orc, Garther, she pleaded. He can tell us things, and until we know what he knows, no outbursts or threats. A long pause as they both stared at each other, fighting for dominance in the conversation. Please, she finally asked. Grumbling, Garther sat down at the boulder, sat down back at the boulder, and stared at the orc intently. The pushover can boss him around, even better, the orc thought. I'll be dragging them along with lies until my friends get here in no time. But of course, where is here? Looking up, he found his back was to a series of large boulders, all split down the center. He'd seen this place earlier on today and thought the rock formation was odd. Still, a well-known site and something his boys had been to. It was only a matter of time until a search party is sent out. They are bound to have found the other bodies by now. The orc tracker sat up and propped his back to one of the more enormous boulders. Picking up the flask, he popped the cork and sniffed the contents. Grog never smelt so good before, he thought. He emptied half the contents down his throat and immediately felt refreshed. He wiped the dribble of the liquid 
off his throat with his ratty green cloak. It was new a couple days ago, but hard riding, and the weather had mucked it up. Still, it did the job and kept me warm. Thick woolen cloaks have a tendency of doing that. What do you want to know, said the orc. Let's start with your name, she replied. I'm calling the shots here, human, he smirked. Yours first. She smiled at him and said, Furial, a pleasure to meet you, orc, and yours. She held out her hand as if expecting an outburst from the dwarf. He did not disappoint. His eyes widened and his mouth slack-jawed. Pleasure to make your... Pleasuring, Furial. I am Othrug, he replied, crossing his arms, smiling smugly at Garther. Garther roared, I save your life, and you refuse to tell me your name but an orc? So you'll give an orc your name at the first asking, he rose, standing tall and proud, pointing his newly bandaged hand at her. Garther, Furial said, holding out her hands in a placating fashion, calm yourself. You would have found out my name soon enough. You have proven yourself a mighty warrior. I did not mean to disrespect you. Then, motioning to his boulder, she continued, Please sit. I'll do whatever I can to right this wrong, after we have finished hosting our guest. Turning to face the orc, Please continue, Othrug. Tell us about your people in the camp, she said softly. Not much to tell, really, he replied. He smiled broadly, but only with his lips. There are about twenty of us in the camp, six tenths, as I'm sure you've seen by now. Reinforcements are expected any day. Shrugging his shoulders nonchalantly and turning to stare at the leftmost boulder absent-mindedly. Other camps wrapping up their business to this in this. Othrug coughed briefly, feeling his throat go dry. He held out his hand for patience, took another swig from the flask, and continued. The other camps were finishing up their business. Smiling, Furiel nodded. She looked encouragingly at Garther. See, I told you, she said. A little drink and some friendly company, and he's willing to help us out. She turned to face Othrog and said, Why don't you tell us about your leader? What's he like? Gothrog looked, Othrog looked back at her blankly and said, You mean Lagthak? Biggest orc I've ever seen. Wears good quality human armor, along with a dwarven mattock. He can split the brains of a human in full plate in one swing. Didn't see any problems letting that info slip, he thought. Lagthak will kill them all the same. He felt, his, he felt his throat go dry again, slightly tightening up. Reflexively, he took another swig of grog. He must be getting more nervous than he thought. Lagthak, eh? She said, furial pondering the thought for a moment, eyeing Othrog analytically. An awkward silence briefly settled on the conversation before she continued. So, what are Lagthak's plans? He has a huge group of orcs with him, 20 plus by the sounds of it. Othrog smiled ever so slightly at the mention of 20, and she continued. He has to have a good reason for why they'd head this far west. From Angmar, I presume? I'm just a lowly orc tracker, said Othrug, smiling. He shrugged his shoulders, giving his best innocent look. They don't tell me much. Garthra's patience hit its boiling point, and he stood up. There, you happy lass? He told us everything he knows. His axe slid from his belt. Time to split his skull. Othrug's eyes quickly darted left and right. Furio wasn't jumping up to stop him. I still have... Coughing again, his throat parched. Taking another swig from the flask, he continued, I am still important. I have plenty of things that you can make use of. 
Feral stood up and interposed herself between Othrug and the advancing Garther. She put her hands on his shoulders and smiled. Garther, he still has a little more to tell us. Have patience. Her softness and genuine smile eased Garther ever so slightly. Lass, I'm growing impatient. My hand is starting to hurt, and only an orcish skull split by my axe can be a salve for it. Nodding appreciatively, Furiel said, In time, you will have that and the truth, I promise. Garther looked at her quizzically for half a moment, and then nodded and sat down on the ground, closer by half to Othrug. Furiel returned to her boulder, calm and poised, hands over her lap. She smiled at Othrug. He noticed for the first time she only smiled with her mouth. Now, Othrug, tell us, what happened to the rest of the Dwarven Rangers? Garther stared blankly at Furiel, and then back to Othrug. Othrug's eyebrows furrowed, and sweat started to bead on his forehead. What Dwarf Rangers? Pointing at Garther, he continued, I only see him. Her smile shrank by a fraction as she replied, Let's start with the dwarf ranger whose cloak you're wearing. Garther's focus immediately shifted to the cloak. His right hand reflexively touched his own. He could tell that they were a match. Poor weather could only sully fine dwarven craftsmanship so much. That was his kin's cloak. Garther slowly thundered towards Othrug. No weapon in hand, for none was needed. The pure, bestial fury of a dwarf who had lost kin was all that was required to quail Othrug. If Othrug could shrink into the recesses of that split boulder, he would have. He tried to open his mouth in protest, but the dryness returned. It consumed his voice and now spread to his lungs. A racking cough overtook him. Garther stopped only when Othrug's chest spasmed so heavily he spat up blood in the dirt. Othrug brought the flask to his throat to help clear the dryness, but stopped. He stared at it with shaky hands. You're correct. It's poisoned, she said flatly. She looked at her, and her demeanor changed. Still calm and poised, but her eyes, their haunting emptiness, it sent a shiver down his spine. I couldn't get you to drink the grog if I acted like Garther, now could I? She continued. The iciness of the words hung in the air like a frosty breath on a cold winter's day. Based on your mannerisms, you were lying about the numbers. They're probably half that number at most within the camp. But Lagthak, you told me the truth. I could see why. Mix a bit of truth in, and the complacent woman and the enraged dwarf will believe you. She looked at Garther, and he nodded to her. He turned back to Othrug, then looked down at the cloak. He hesitated for a moment before returning to the boulder. I have an antidote, which I'll give to you. But I need the complete truth, though, she said. Out with it. You haven't much time before the dryness takes over your lungs and you choke to death. Othrug's chest was frantically heaving up and down. He could feel less and less air getting in, like his lungs wouldn't accept it. The dryness was almost unbearable. He looked left and right, his pleading eyes falling on blank stares. The truth was the only way out, he thought. Okay, fine. There are, all, there are about ten of us in the camp. We aren't waiting on anyone else. Lagthak is our leader, and I don't know why he led us here. And the dwarves, she replied. Othrug coughed up more blood and wildly screamed, Please, you have to give me the antidote. And the dwarves, she repeated, her right eyebrow raised expectedly. His mind was racing, the lack of oxygen causing his vision to blur. Finally, he blurted out, 
We lost a score of orcs taking down those damned dwarves. We divided up the loot, and we have been... Othrog stopped and looked down sheepishly. Garthor looked up. He was pensive before, but his rage returned. Stymied only by Othrog's implication, a meek flicker of hatred danced in his eyes, the question welling up inside, not wanting to be asked but needing to be known. Have been what? he said. It came out as a whisper, and it hung for a second longer before Othrog replied equally as weak. Have been eating them. You probably smelled the campfire cooking their flesh. Garthur's shoulders slumped and his head slouched. Grief enveloped him, and his eyes stared blankly at the fire, lost in mournful reverie. Furio walked over, bent down on one knee, and put her hand on his shoulder. Her eyes were sorrowful and respectful. Do you want me to give do you want me to give him the antidote? she asked. Garthur scowled and bent all his hatred, gazing at Othrug. If his malice and darkness could be a weapon, they would have smote Othrug and obliterated the boulder behind him. But, emotionless, he replied, no. Othrug's eyes went wide. The panic of breathlessness, breathlessness was taking hold. His energy was almost spent. He weakly clawed out, holding out any hope for Furial. Her wicked smile and devilish eyes dashed his chances. Good. Even if Garther had said yes, I couldn't have given it to you. There is no antidote for what I poisoned you with. Collapsing to the ground, in between his last gasping breaths, Othrug heard Garther say, Give me time, Furiel. She replied, My name is not Furiel, Garther. I would not dishonor you by telling an orc first. You and I are oath-bound. I keep my oaths and, and the significance of them. My name is Elioneth, and I am at your service. And that's it. Oh, wow. Oof. What is it? Elioneth? Elioneth. That's it. That's her name. Elioneth. Oh, my gosh. She is something to be dealt with there. She is uh, underhanded. She's uh, She's got the sneakiness to her, that's for sure. Yeah. Po- I like the poison, because, you know, like, still going... With that whole Eastern thing theme, you know, poison blades and all of that, you know, she's got the poison happening. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like yeah. it. And I, I like the way that you wrote Garther. That was cool. I liked his uh, his gusto there. Oh yeah, no, he's. Uh, I feel Garther is a very uh, tough, belligerent guy, and I really wanted to show that off when talking about the orc tracker. Just like pretty much like. Like defecating himself in fear. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That was good. Yeah, like he is. He he's like charging with rage and all of that stuff. I I want to read that or listen to that again. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. Oh my gosh. So okay, we got some information about the orcs. That's right. The orc camp. We got a we got a leader and we got about ten orcs over there. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, I'll leave it to you to figure out how you want to get out of this pickle. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have oh, to always. Boy, yeah, it doesn't always have to end in one session. So do whatever you no, want. No, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. Well, that was longer than that. I think that was the longest section so far, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. That was good. Well, I'm 
kind of guessing we're uh, we're up to our time limit by now. Yeah, we're, at, we're we've hit the the hour thir- one hundred and thirty minute mark. So yeah, we're over the two hour. Two hours, yeah. Right. So uh, we'll probably skip the what have I got in my pocket for for this episode? Do you think? I think so, mostly because Don doesn't have an actual question for oh, us. Oh, I got. So. I th- I've thought of a question. Okay, by now, so, but, but, we'll, we'll, but I'll, uh, I'll hang on to it for next time. There you, go. you hang on to that. I've got my question. I pondered <laughs> ten seconds before we started filming, recording. So yeah, I, I'll hold on to that one too. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's just sign off by saying thanks again to everybody for sticking with us this long, and for joining us for another episode of North of the Shire. And I just gotta say that this episode was brought to you by the word diversity Mm. and by the number three (laughs) (laughs) random number anyway thanks everybody for uh listening to north of the shire